And welcome back in Stripe Show Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Special one here today, Thursday. You know, we like to bring in the top instructors. And, uh, well, there's one of the top right there that's ever done it in this game. And um, I, I actually got him in between fishing trips here because he's out in my part of the country in Seattle. And I saw this post last night from him holding up this big king salmon, which I know had to be fun to reel in. And uh, he joins me. From uh, Emerald City right now, Jim McLean. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time. Hey, thanks, Travis. Yeah, I've, I've fished out here pretty much every year. I come to Seattle. I think the first time I've caught a king salmon in about fifty years. So it was oh. it was fun to catch a few of them the other night, last night. And I've been uh, out visiting my friends out here and a lot of my old buddies, my family in Seattle. You're you're an Idaho guy, so yeah. you know Pacific Northwest well, and it's great to be back here. Uh, and the weather's been great so right here in August. So loving it. Yeah, it's uh, it's God's country, and and people are starting to figure that out now, right? They're starting to yeah. move there, particularly in northern Idaho. But that's for yeah. another day. And I know your ties in Seattle go way back. And um, there's a family there that um, the Welty family, who has been very instrumental, uh, not only just in the Pacific Northwest, and I know your career, but just in the in the game of golf. Carl Welty was a man that was ahead of his time. Uh, his son, Craig Welty, is the same age as me, and we played college golf together. Craig was a better was was better player than I was. He was a cross-handed player, played for Western Washington, and I played for Lewis and Clark State College, and we always were in the same group together. And a cross-handed player, I know you know Carl, uh, or you know Craig very, very well, and I always told Craig, I was like, look, I can watch you play cross-handed every shot you hit. But when you get in the bunker, my mind just does not compute that, that you're in a greenside bunker hitting it cross-handed. And every time he was in a bunker, I would turn the other way because I couldn't watch it. It was just bizarre to watch. He was uh, he was a good player, and he could hit it hard, too. Well, you know, Travis, there have been some really great or very fine cross-handed players that have gotten to the tour level. Before your time, Charlie Owens was the leading money winner on the senior PGA Tour. I played with Charlie some, and uh, it's pretty amazing that a really top teacher like Carl Welty let his son continue to play. He started cross-handed, and then Carl just kept him cross-handed. And, and you played with Craig, so you know what kind of player he is. He shoots mm -hmm. a lot of 65s. You know, he's he's a heck of a player. He's a head professional at Skagit Valley. I'm, I'm going up to see him next week. Wow. I'm here and his dad was a huge influence in my life. And, uh, you know, he did a lot of fabulous things. He was one of the, I think the greatest researcher of the golf swing in the world. Yeah. Well, he, he and, and Jim educate my, my viewers here, you know, with Carl, he was kind of one of the first back in the day that would put the camera up. Right. And, yeah. and video people from face on target line and say, Hey, yeah. let's slow this down and take a look at it. Right. That's exactly right. He was a very good friend of a guy named Bill Glasson, who was a, um, a graduated number one out of MIT, a super brilliant guy, worked for uh, Howard Hughes, Hughes Aircraft, uh, was involved with the space shot and stuff like that. Brilliant guy. We love golf. And he talked to Carl a lot about how to do research and how to film correctly. So Carl was always super precise on where he put the camera, mm. had to be just right. When we went out to film, I used to go out to La Costa every year 
for about 10 days or two weeks and stay with Carl during the tournament in San Diego Open. And, you know, we would we would film players. And at the end of the day, when Carl looked at the video clips we did, there would only be like three or four from the entire day that he would accept. And and if you didn't know, Carl, it's hard to believe that anybody could be this, you know, fanatical about doing everything right. That had to be filmed perfect. It had to be centered perfect. And the guy had to hit a good shot or, or mm. we didn't keep it. Anyway, we did a lot of research together. And you know, he was just a great friend of mine. I met him in Seattle. He'd worked for Paul Runyon and mm -hmm. in San Diego. Oh, people don't know Runyon is a major champion. And, uh, you know, he just loved, he just loved studying golf swings and trying to figure out what's going on. And, he, and, and then of having his own golf school at La Costa, one, you know, one of the great resorts where they had the tour event, he had access to uh, watching video. He, growing up with Runyon at La Jolla, they had all those great players there that, uh, from Craig Stadler and Gene Littler, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all those great San Diego players were just congregated around there. Yeah, I had Derek um, Ueda on yeah. as well, and uh, he, he said a lot of very nice things about, you know, Carl as well. And I'm curious, Jim, you look at today's game. Um, you've been doing this a long time at a very high level. Everything is at your fingertips now in technology. It's not just 2D video. It's 3D. It's force plates. It's, um, you know, you name it. It's it's out there now with putting, Sam Putt Lab, TrackMan. How do you... What's your take now on today's instruction? I mean, how do you view it today with all of this available to you? Because you train a lot of young teachers. I'm just curious in your thoughts on the landscape of coaching today in the game of golf. I think the teaching, Travis, has gotten a lot better. You know, it's, it's, it continues to improve. There are so many great things that we have at our fingertips, as you mentioned. However, if all it was is reading off numbers and telling people, you know, this is your angle of attack and this is your path. And that's what would make them a great player. Then everybody would be a great teacher and, and we'd have all great players. But as you know, Travis, there's way more to the game uh, from the mental aspects, the management aspects to how to, how to, you know, feel shots, how to hit shots under pressure. Uh, how to control your brain. I mean, as a, as a teacher now, I think we have to be, um, you know, we have to be able to be psychologists as well as golf teachers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, uh, that's a, uh, that's a no brainer there. I mean, the, you gotta be around it. I think coaching is more applicable today than probably the instructor word when I got into the business 22 years ago. And I have a lot of young teachers that'll ask me, you know, getting in, what would you do? And I think, yeah, you got to learn all this information. It's important, you know, go through it. Don't get overwhelmed. But you also got to establish your voice and your message. And you got to get in there and start moving people too. You know, like at some point you got to teach and you got to move and you got to trial and error and learn from those things. So uh, it's a much more of a balance, I think, today. And we could certainly talk about that for, uh, for a long time on this podcast. But I want to get to couple of your players one of them is Russell Henley uh Jim and you know really Russell is a guy that uh that I follow closely I enjoy watching him play you know he's a fiery guy you know he looks like he's he's got a little bulldog in him um when he's out there and he's competing people don't realize though with Russell like when you go into the stroke scan approach 
category and you start thinking about excellent iron players, you think of Morikawa, you think of Justin Thomas, uh, Spieth is back now in that category. The last 50 rounds going into this week, Russell Henley's in the top 10. I mean, this is one of the best iron players in today's game. He started working with you in March. He's had great strides. I'm curious, what are some of the things that, you, that you've done with him to kind of help keep the ball in front of him and hit it tight over and over again? Well, Travis, you know, there's uh, different types of teaching, um, you know, development, developmental teaching and then helping somebody at different stages. When I worked with Russell this year, I just really got to know him in March and we did spend quite a bit of time together, but he's already a great player. So I don't want to mm -hmm. take too much credit for what he's doing. I, I think we did some really good things, um, especially with his driving. He is a tremendous iron player. Mm -hmm. He's a very good athlete. I mean, a really good athlete. He's super coordinated. Uh, he plays the guitar great. And there's a lot of, he's got a lot of he had diversity in his life. Uh, he's got a young family. When I when I started working with him, you know, he he, he has big goals still. Uh, he, mm -hmm. He's only 31 years old, but he's accomplished a lot. He was the number one uh, college player. Uh, he played on the Walker Cup team. Uh, he's made a ton of money playing golf. He just got in a, a little rut, you know, this this past year where he wasn't happy with what he was doing. So I think he, he enjoyed where we, you know, we went through a lot of uh, ideas and, and thoughts on, on the game and how to approach shots, how to visualize shots, how, particularly with the driver. It's the number one thing we started with. But then, you know, it delved into chipping and putting and, mm -hmm. you know, how he's looking and, and, and setting up his goals for the year. He's had very close to having a monster year this year where he's, you know, had big had leads at yeah. well, the U.S. Open and at Hartford. He just had the lead with four holes to go. And he, he was lead, shot 62-64 last week at Greensboro and had a four-shot lead going in the last round. You know, ended up uh, missing by one. Where he, you know, those those could have gone the other way, but yeah, it's tough. It ain't easy to to win those right. win those guys out there. Was it? I heard him talk about, you know, he was struggling with the left miss. It, yeah. Was that was that accurate? Where he was kind of yeah. overcooking it left. You know, better players they can they yeah. can start hitting it left, and all of a sudden that's that is not a good thing. Is did you kind of clean up that left miss yeah. a little bit with some stuff? Yeah, that was the first thing we did. You know when. Um, you know, I, was, I looked at his swing and I, we texted back and forth before we got together at the Honda. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the Honda, I met him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and we, we did some work away from the Honda until, till Wednesday, Wednesday, I guess. But, um, he was, you know, it was a kind of the typical good player miss is he dropping under it a little bit. He's a little, little saggy on his right side and he just dropped under it a little mm -hmm. bit and, uh, was hitting it on the toe. Um, hmm. just slightly on the toe, but you know, it doesn't take much. I also didn't like his driver. I didn't like the numbers on the track man, hmm. um, which he didn't, he didn't pay attention to, you know, as you know, a lot of these great players aren't quite as detailed as people think. Right. Bryson DeChambeau is other people are really huge on the numbers, but some of these guys are much more field players. So he was wanting me to give him some feels and get him some ideas, give him mm. some some uh, things to work on. And I thought his 
driver was, you know, not the perfect fit for him. And I said, you know, let's get on the phone, call you, call the reps, get them some drivers down. He said, well, do you think I really should do that? I said, absolutely. They'll have, they'll have them for you. And just, let's test some drivers out. And, uh, that helped him a lot. The, the guys at Titleist uh, did a great job, sent him a couple good drivers, and, and it made it, that made a big difference for him. And he started hitting the ball right right out of the dead center of the club face. Oh, wow. Which to me, is fundamental number one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that toe shot is, you know, they certainly they certainly don't want to see that. Um, yeah. And, well, he's playing good again here. He's, he's one under uh, through 14 currently yeah. right now as we do this at uh, Liberty, which is playing tough. Um, you know, it's playing tough right now. One under in the morning wave puts you inside the top 13, which you very seldom see with that many guys yeah. out on the, uh, on the course. Um, so with Russell, let, let me ask you this. Cause you mentioned the close calls Hartford. He, he made a couple of doubles coming in. Um, last week he missed, let's see. Yeah. He bogeyed for the last eight. He even admitted like the transparency. I love, he even admitted like, he was a little nervous on Saturday and, you know, do you think Russell perhaps is changing a little bit? Cause he's playing so well that all of a sudden, like there he is, he could win this thing. And he's been there two or three times now, like you said, could have been a monster year. Is that something that you guys talk about where he admits maybe, gosh, I am kind of a little nervous. What, what approach should I take to maybe help me in those situations moving forward? Is that something you guys talk about? Yeah. I, I send him little things from other athletes and what they do on, under pressure. And, um, you know, he needs to just break through again here and, and close the deal. Mm -hmm. he, he really had a good chance at Hartford be, because he had a couple pretty easy holes there in 15 and 16 that he made right. two doubles on. I, I think the odds of him making two doubles were about a hundred thousand to one that that would yeah. happen, but it, it did, you know, and Travis, is, we both know it, Things happen, and then you got to regroup. And it, it just happened at the end of the tournament. I think leading the U.S. Open for three rounds was anybody that's played golf knows how tough it is to go wire to wire, uh, mm -hmm. especially in a in your your country's U.S. Open. I uh, played with McElroy the last round. You know, if you just get a couple things to go right, you you win or finish second. But you know, he just he just couple things happen right at the yeah. end. I think he could win this week though. No yeah. doubt about it. You know, I mean, he, he's a great player. I mean, I, I love the way he hits the golf ball and he hits the most beautiful iron shots. As you mentioned, he's a, mm -hmm. just a tremendous, beautiful. He just takes almost no divot, just clips the ball off there and the ball just doesn't move. It's, it's yeah. pretty, it's really awesome. Yeah. They don't, most of these guys don't move it. Do they Jim? It's pretty no, yeah, it's pretty straight. I mean, it like it may die one way or the other, but there's a few that'll sling it, you know, and those things. But for the most part, like I tell, you know, you're telling your, they just, it's just kind of here. Like you don't need to, do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today is your lucky day, because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at pinned golf. Their brand new ACE rangefinder is amazing. And it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now, and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin-locked vibration technology, so you know exactly when you are locked onto your target. Tour-level accuracy, and best of all, 
It is powered by a USB charge, so you can forget about those little batteries every other rangefinder makes you buy. One 45-minute charge lasts you 50-plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at Pin Golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping when you use code STRIPESHOW. That's code STRIPESHOW. I'm telling you, for $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Rangefinder. Head out over to PinGolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in do all that if you don't want to you know a 10 handicap 12 handicap let's just get it in tighter right um with the dispersion and um that's going to help you out yeah it's interesting I, I do like watching him play it's very um like i said there's just there's a little edge to it you know like th- there's a purpose in the way he's walking and his routine and a commitment and i just you know i i gravitate to that and when you think of the best iron players and the best ball strikers on tour, you probably have to wait a while until people mention Russell Henley. But yeah. the reality is, is he's right there. You know, I mean, he's, you know, his strokes gain approach this season uh, is right there. So he played at University of Georgia, of course, uh, was a good collegiate player. And so many of these guys were good junior players. I know you work with a lot of juniors. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, the junior golfer today, Jim, how are they different, say, than they were 20 years ago? Well, I think the equipment's so much better for the kids. They're, they're fitted with good clubs. I've got two young boys I work with kind of quite a bit down in Florida for the last – down at the Biltmore for the last three years. One's Victor and one's Axel Monso, And uh, they both won their world titles at their age groups. Mm-hmm. And uh, – I still try to teach them a really good golf swing, but, but they hit it hard, and mm-hmm. that's a lot different. Uh, they de- they develop younger. Um, you know, it's a sport where you could take an eight or nine year old girl, and she could hit fifty drivers in a row right out of the center of the club, <laughs> right down the middle of the fairway with a draw. And you ask them, "What are they thinking about?" And they just say nothing. You know, and that's a that's a fantastic answer. It's a mind blowing answer for most amateurs to hear that they 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 don't almost want to hear that. Mm -hmm. But it's they get that they're young and they have a swing, so that when you just let the golf club swing freely with no tension in your body, yeah, the ball goes really good. Mostly you hit it in the center of the face. If you're you know you're obviously these are coordinated, talented young kids, but. It is amazing how simple golf can be, and on the other hand, how unbelievably complicated golf can be. You 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 worked with Lexi Thompson yeah. when she was when she was little. I would imagine watching her and Curtis, by the way, is on yeah. the podcast tomorrow. Oh, great! Who just great. got his in the top twenty-five? Yeah, uh, from the Corn Ferry Tour. So we're Quite excited about Curtis Thompson coming on tomorrow. Lexi trying to keep up with these brothers when she was young. Both feet up off the ground, catching it right out of the center of the face. As a teacher, yeah. looking at that going, how in the world? This is unbelievable. But yet, as a coach, you know, like this need, well, do I want to go in there and keep the feet more planted? Do I want to get it? like Because aesthetically, it should look like like that's a balance, right, as a coach that you you have to take on where you just want this natural ability to, to flow, but then have moments to step in and maybe just layer in small things at the right time. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. 
Well, I think we go back to Carl Welty and all the the studies that Carl did, all the bit film he had, you know, and all the stuff that he just had. All the players, we'd look at him nonstop. So I knew that Bobby Jones came up off his off his left heel going through. I saw Johnny Miller's left foot moving all over the place, and what it really, and then also being playing a lot with a lot of great players myself, and, and uh, I just have seen a lot of guys and girls with some odd moves. So you could go to Trevino or Arnold Palmer, mm -hmm. whatever, Johnny, um, that just had some different stuff, but they hit the ball great. So it really comes down to Travis as a teacher. To me, is what is the ball doing? Now, if somebody right. can hit the ball great, like Lexi Thompson. I never changed her left foot, and I and I got criticized early on for it mm -hmm. when she when these people started noticing when she was playing tour events when she was fourteen. Um, they said, "Oh, that, you know." And her, some teachers came up to her dad and said, "She'll never be a good player doing that." But I always said, "No, we're not going to change that." That's how she gets. She's getting a lot of leverage in her swing, like you said, trying to keep with, up with Curtis. Yeah, you know, uh, when she was young. I mean, she's trying to keep up. She's playing the black, the back tees with her brothers when she was 12 and swinging as hard as she could. That's but awesome. I think she's the best female driver. You know, maybe Annika Sorenstam I've seen, Lorena Ochoa. But yeah. for driving it long and straight, Lexi's as good as it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just – I've always had an appreciation watching players and teachers um, that, you know, like you, you, have a, you have a number of players that they all look different. You know, there's yeah. no cookie cutter way. I think it's it's pretty easy in the modern game, especially with social media. You see the cookie cutter, I guess. Perfect swing. It's impressive. But if that's the only swing that's in your arsenal and in your players, to me, like it's almost like there's there, there's a little bit of coaching the DNA to some degree out of a player, right? Because they're all unique. And I, to me, Lexi, like the feet and those things, that's – that's Lexi, right? Annika and her head swiveling. That's Annika. And there's just these little DNA things that, man, you got to be careful with, you know, if you're trying to just mold them into this one pattern, because that's what the science says, or that's what Trackman says, or that's what, you know, so I think there's a balance there. And I just, I love watching like the players that you've coached over the years and others. You can just see this wide range of techniques that you're coaching and just trying to maximize and I and imagine with Russell, it's kind of like that. Like you said, it's concepts, things to work on that don't take away from the yeah. genius that is Russell Henley, right? Yeah, that's I think that's absolutely right. We, you know, I think Tiger has mentioned the two most talented players that impressed him the most in his career were John Daly and Bubba Watson. Yeah. And then Mickelson would probably be up there too. And they they both all three of those guys are got the club pointed at the ground at the top right. of their backswing and you'd say, well, wait a minute, you know, you can't control the ball doing that, but they did. And now, you know, and Bubba moving the ball with big curves, you know, you just don't see that that much, but would you take that away from Bubba Watson? No. And uh, you know, what would be the upside of saying, Bubba, I don't want you to hit that big slice anymore. Just, just hit the big hook or, or vice versa, or just hit it straight. And I, I don't think Bubba could play golf doing that. I don't think he yeah. could. I don't think he could exist on playing like that. All right, let me ask you about the Ryder Cup here because okay. I know you're you got a lot of things to do up there. You're on vacation. You shouldn't <laughs> be. I've got you talking about the golf swing on your vacation for crying out loud. So we got the USA coming up into September. The Ryder Cup. <clears throat> the guys that are in: Jim Morikawa, DJ, 
Bryson, Kepka, Justin Thomas, Xander. Um, you know, now we get into the picks, right? Six picks. And Spieth is at seven. I think we probably could agree Spieth is going to be on the team at this point, the way that he plays uh, or has been playing. I, I I personally feel Reed will be as well. I think it's a, a lock. Do you do you feel that way? Or do you think he's he actually withdrew again this week? Um, I think Reed's a lock, actually. Um, you do or don't? I don't. You don't? Okay. I don't think Reed's a lock. Uh, I think the controversy's there. You, you think about the locker room, but, you know, I could certainly be wrong. I mean, he's a great player. He just represented America in the Olympics. He did a, you know, he was did a great job there. Um, but but uh, he's right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I, we just talked a little bit before this podcast of that, you know, maybe there's 15 guys you could pick really that would be great from Tony Finau to Phil Mickelson, who's out, out of that, really that very top echelon, but winning the PGA, all his experience in the past Ryder cups, his super competitive attitude. And, you know, I was with Keegan Bradley in Chicago when, and when they paired Mickelson with him in the practice rounds and then in the, in the event, and, he, and that's the best I ever saw Keegan play. And he, mm. he got, he gets guys pumped up. Now, is he going to, what do you think? You think he's going to pick Mickelson's not in there, but he just, he won a major this year. Yeah. What do you think? I think he's going to pick him. I'm not sure I would pick him, but I think he will pick him. Yeah. I, I think Mickelson is probably going to be picked. I, I think the name that is going to be interesting, that's going to really throw a wrench in thing, is if Scotty Scheffler wins one of these three tournaments. Yeah. Coming up. And, and well, he's I off to a really good start here today. Um, and Scheffler played great the end of year last year. Um, if he wins, now we've got ourselves really something to be thinking about with, with a lot of different players. I think Harris English is in. He's yeah. won twice. He's currently Jordan's seven. Harris is eight. Yeah. And Patrick Reed is nine. Yeah, I think all three of those guys will be it. That's just my gut. I do think he'll pick Mickelson, and then then it's down to two others. So you start thinking about Daniel Berger, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Webb Simpson finally looks healthy again. Yeah, um, Kokrax won twice, Horschel, Burns, and then there's Kisner at eighteen, which everybody's seems to be on the Kisner bandwagon because he can putt. He's a bulldog. He, you know, he had a good President's Cup record. Would you, would you err on the side of maybe we need length and someone who can get it out there long and straight off the tee, like a like a Scheffler versus a putter, a great putter like Kevin Kisner? Which way would you go with whistling straights? Because I know you've been there. Yeah, I think well, whistling straights is plays really long. The weather in the end of September can be cold. Yeah been up there a couple times when it's been cold and you see the guys that have played great there at Whistling Straits have been long hitters um as we know Kisner is not short I mean he gets it out there good enough and and Finau's maybe not the greatest putter in the world but I mean what a what a phenomenal talent Finau Mm -hmm. is I think a lot of guys would love playing with Tony I think Scheffler is, is playing great Cantley kills it I mean, he hits it a long ways, and he's a great putter. It's just a, such a tough pick. It I is. think it's it, it's not good that he has six picks. I think I wish he had four picks. Uh, six is too much. I mean, there's going to be four or five guys 
who you could have picked yeah. uh, that are not going to get picked. And yeah. it, it's going to be because it looks like it's really bunched up. And I, and I think going here to these last playoff events, uh, things can change. Yeah. I mean, it would, his, you know, there's some things that might make his decision a little bit easier. I mean, if, if Cantlay say wins one yeah. of these, like that makes his decision, I think pretty easy with Cantlay. Um, you know, I think Berger's interesting. He won early in the year. I think if he won, he probably makes it in. He probably makes, I think if Daniel Berger, Cantlay win, those two are in. I think you can't not pick them. And I think it's nice to get some younger guys, rookies in there. Burns, yeah. like you said, and, and uh, Sheffer. I think that's really great. Yeah. You know, I, think I like Burns. Energy in there. I'm, I'm kind of, a, I've been, I've been criticized as a Burns homer. Um, probably because I've been so far out in front with him from LSU. I just think he's, you know, he's long. He hits fairways. He's a really good iron player, and he's a great putter. It's like, sign me up for all that. That You know, his short game can get a little clunky, but, like, you know, if, you could, if you're long and accurate and you're a great iron player, that, that transfers everywhere. Now, even if you're just an inconsistent putter, like, I think I would still bake it, but Burns is a great putter. See, I would love to see Burns and Scheffler on the team. That's just me. I'd love to see those two figure out how to get on the team, but we'll have to wait and see because uh, we got to play the playoffs. We, um, we've, still and, got, we've still got the Kepka bryson DeChambeau deal going, which is yeah. things very interesting, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of ran its course for me. Um Who's going to play with Bryce? Got some work to do there. I think it's easy to say "Ah, I won't be an issue, but I, I think it is an issue, you know. And I I think like those things are a problem. Clearly, there's a, there's there's a there's a lot of beef there, especially with Brooks towards Bryson. Um, So I think you have to. I think they're going to have to get out way ahead of that. Um, But it'll be interesting to see how the team can come together. We know whistling's long. We know there's not going to be a lot of rough. They're going to let these guys. The, the USA want, yeah, send it, right? Yeah, they're going to let them send it. And if you hit it 30 yards over there, we, we'll go cut those trees down if we need to as well. I mean, they want them to send it and play the power game. And I think you got to set your your team up like that. And for me, Scheffler and Burns fit that mold perfectly. So anyway, we'll see. Jim, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast. I, I appreciate it. Uh, tell Craig hello for me. I'm sure he'll remember we played a lot of golf when we were in college. And, um, well, have fun in Seattle. It's uh, one of my favorite places. I'll be there in a few weeks to watch the opening game, the Seahawks and the Titans. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I'll be on my way back to Miami. But it's been nice being on with you, Travis. Thanks for having me, and, and good luck to you. I'll, I'll see you, I'm sure, this winter somewhere. Hey, you bet. Yep. Come on down here to Florida. It's, uh, well, it's 100 degrees. Feels like 100, about ready to chance of rain. You know, You know that story. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> See you, Jeff. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash 
Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast. 